The Sacred Changemakers podcast is supported by Coaches Business School, helping the world's most caring coaches build a purpose-driven and profitable business that makes a meaningful impact in our world. Check out their unique frameworks and methods to help you transform and grow your business. Now is the time to build a bridge from what you want in life to include what the world needs. You can do well in business and do good, and together we can make a meaningful difference. Find out more at coachesbusinessschool.com. Hey there, and welcome back to the Sacred Changemakers podcast. Now, I think you're going to enjoy today's conversation as we delve into the transformative power of conscious communication with our special guest, Jem Fuller. Now, Jem is a renowned author and advocate for meaningful dialogue, and he shares his insights on how communication can be a catalyst for positive change in our personal lives, our relationships, and even on a global scale. And as you'll hear Jem talk about, of course, it all begins within and our relationship with ourselves and how we communicate to ourselves internally. Now, Jem has lived a colorful global life from barefoot backpacker to corporate leader, fire dancer and traditional tattooist, kindergarten teacher to motorcycle courier, masseuse and reflexologist to laborer and travel consultant. Now, for the last decade, he has run his own executive leadership coaching practice and international retreat company in the Himalayas, Bali and Australia. He's a dedicated partner and father who loves surfing, even though, as he says, he's not very good at it, (laughs) and also meditation. He's the author of the award-winning book, The Art of Conscious Communication, and can be seen delivering his TEDx talk on YouTube. Now, in today's conversation, Jem reveals the inspiration behind his best-selling book and also his upcoming series, which explores conscious communication in various contexts, such as for couples and leaders and teams and parents. And we also explore the vital role of men in today's modern world and how improving their communication skills can contribute to a more equitable society. Now, as a true sacred change maker, Jem's vision is for a more functional and compassionate humanity where tolerance, forgiveness and abundance prevail. So I think you're going to enjoy this conversation because it really aligns with our mission here at Sacred Changemakers. So without further ado, let me introduce you to Jem Fuller. Hey, Jem, thanks for stopping by the Sacred Changemakers podcast. How are you doing, my friend? I'm great. Thank you, Jane. And thanks so much for inviting me on. No, I'm looking forward to our conversation. We always have such great conversations. I can't wait to share you with our Sacred Changemakers audience. But, you know, let's start here where we always start, which is that our listeners have just heard your professional bio. But I'd love you to kind of tell us a little bit more about the real life human that lies beneath that bio. Who's he? Mm. I, um, I, you know, I, I guess I could start with some of my core values, you know, because I, I really try to, and especially in the last chapter um, of my life, which I, I'm going to call a 10 year chapter and it's been evolving obviously, but I've really been trying to bring my focus back to in, in each day, my focus back to who I'm choosing to be. 
rather than what I'm doing or, or trying to create. Obviously, still that is happening, but in terms of my internal um, conscious awareness, I'm trying to come back to my values and just being aspiring to be the best version of myself that I can be. And so the values that are important to me are kindness and love, um, generosity, open-mindedness, you know, which is a real practice for us humans because we're naturally quite close-minded. Um, yeah, action taking. I love, I love taking action and doing things, but you know, I think the most important thing to me is my relationships. Mm. Uh, and I don't think I'm alone in that either. You know, there's been some wonderful research on, on us humans and the, the findings are that the quality of our life is directly correlated to the quality of our relationships. Mm. So they're really important to me, you know. I'm I'm madly in love with my other half. I call her my my beautiful woman Talia, and our four teenagers, um, nineteen, seventeen, sixteen, and fourteen years old. Wow. <laughs> um, my mum, my my beautiful mum who lives with me. She's got Parkinson's and heart stuff, but she's and she just actually had a really full on bout of pneumonia and was in hospital. But we've got her back home with us. Um, we live on a farm. Um, I love nature. I love the outdoors. I surf, not very well, but I love being in the ocean. I'm probably one of the happiest people out there, but not very good at what <laughs> surfing. <laughs> but I'm smiling when I'm out there. I love camping and and hiking. Um, I, I'm I'm really curious about ways to make this human experience easier. Mm just a bit easier. And that doesn't mean easy. You know, I know there's hard stuff, that the hard stuff is inevitable and the painful stuff is inevitable, but the suffering and the, and the extent to which we suffer is optional. And there are, there are practices that we can cultivate um, and, and integrate into our day-to-day life that just make life, life for me is getting easier. The older I get, it's getting easier. And it's really, really beautiful. You know, underneath all of the the surface level of whether it's happy or sad or, or, you know, hard or challenging or anything that's going on underneath, I'm really seeing a, a beauty uh, to this life. So, yeah, I hope that helps your listeners get a bit of an idea of me. <laughs> <laughs> it certainly does. You know, and as you're speaking, one of the things that's really kind of bubbling up to the surface for me is how did you get here? Like, you uh, know, because... I work with a lot of leaders, right? And very often they don't have the space in their lives to really start to consider things like values. Yeah, there's values in the organization. Yeah, there's values in the team, but they don't necessarily create the space to self-reflect in the way Mm. I'm kind of imagining you must have done to... Mm to have this experience where as you're getting older, your life is getting easier and more beautiful. And Mm. it feels like you're calling in more of what resonates for you. Whereas so many of us are just on the kind of the hamster wheel of go, go, go. And Mm. I just wonder if you could, you know, give us some insights into how Mm. did you get here? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I only spent eight years on the hamster wheel. I spent, when I became a dad in my early thirties, I got a job 
for the first time, like a proper job, uh, and and played and then did quite well in the quote unquote corporate world. And I was wearing a suit and a tie, which was really weird for me. People were like, <laughs> "You're wearing a shirt and a tie," you know, um, because if you just flipped back, not that many years before, I was dreadlocked and barefoot and uh, living outdoors, cooking on a fire in India. Mm. Not just for a, a one-month holiday. For years, I was living like this around the world. Um, so, so I did do the corporate chapter hamster wheel thing, but that was the anomaly. For me, um, I have lived a life where I've created the space to be introspective and to and to reflect and philosophize and and wonder about the whole bigger picture, you know. Mm. And especially in my years of my, I, I call them kind of with um, tongue-in-cheek, having a bit of a laugh at myself, my spiritual searching journey years around India, doing that typical hippie thing. Um, but but that's actually what I was doing. And, uh, and I spend a lot of time alone uh, by choice, and I spend a lot of time in meditation and contemplation, um, sitting in nature, just pondering, <laughs> you know, just pondering. So that was all there then. Then came the corporate thing. And then I was um, in senior leadership. And then I was learning about leadership per se. And then towards the end of my years in as a senior corporate leader with a lot of staff and a lot of dollars flying around, um, I, I came across, you know, human behavioral profiling and NLP and coaching and modalities and all this stuff that I just found completely fascinating. Um, had the midlife, people call it a midlife crisis. For me, it was a midlife awakening, a midlife opening. In my early 40s, lost everything, the job, the house, the marriage, that all of that, except my, my beautiful two boys. Um, and then is this last chapter, and, and I'm, I feel very, very lucky, so blessed to have been able to create a way of earning money and feeding the kids, teaching the stuff that I live, breathe, love, and practice you know, which is coming to a sense of identity that is based on your values, not based on your vehicles, not based on your your job or your hobbies or your relationships or your, no, really just that my sense of who I am is kind, caring, generous, loving, action-taking man. That's who I am. And the rest of it then comes from that. And so to be able to teach leaders in the corporate world these beautiful understandings, mindfulness meditation and the ability of pausing and more conscious communication and, and how to understand the people that they're leading better and more beautifully. Um, and I still pinch myself going, wow, I'm earning money. <laughs> I'm earning money doing this. And I'm earning good money, which means I don't need to work crazy long hours every day. I get time with our kids. I get time to read and um, listen. I get time to make music. I'm a music musician as well, and I get time to put up a tent and go camping with Talia. You know, so yes, I feel very lucky. Mm, that's lovely, and I'm sure it's very inspiring for people that are listening to this and still trapped, you know, in, in corporate life, but yet long for some more autonomy in their life and more space, like what you're describing. With, so, the, with the way things are changing, Jane, it's it's more and more possible. Yeah. It is more and more possible to um, understand what value do you bring or can you bring to the lives of others? So how can you benefit the lives of others using your natural talents or your learnt skills? And then you can, if you're not, I mean, I got 
I got spat out of the corporate world very un- unceremoniously. I got shafted out. It was quite okay. full on. Um, but you don't, it doesn't need to be. And I just dove both feet straight into the deep end of starting my own consulting practice. I was like, no, nah, I'm not doing anything else. I was in. You don't have to be that dramatic. You know, you can slowly ease your way to uh, what it's, what else you're doing. And now post pandemic, the the ability to work from different places you, it's not the old clock on clock off nine to five like it used to be there's mm-hmm. flexibility and also with everything changing so rapidly um, finding ways to be relevant new ways to be relevant which means earning money doing the stuff that you love and you're good at and helping others with it's more and more possible more and more possible so I really encourage people to dare to dream and have a crack we say you and I know what have a crack means <laughs> um, to, to the US audience, have a crack means have a go, you know? Yeah. 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 And I think that's really sound advice, you know, in many ways. I think there's a lot, like you say, there's a lot that we're rethinking at the moment about life and our relationship with our careers and our professions and our businesses. And, you know, long may that continue to unfold in ways that enable us to live good and wholesome and fulfilling lives. So I do want to ask you, and I, because the title of our conversation today is The Power of Conscious Communication. And I know you've written a book called The Art of Conscious Communication. And for listeners, the link to that book is in the show notes if you're interested. So just tell us something about like the power of conscious communication. What do you mean by that? And why is it so important? Mm. You know, conscious well, communication itself is so imperative to every aspect of our lives as humans. Mm. You know, we will, I mean, where to start? And because it's so um, much a part of our ability to, to do anything, it gets overlooked. We take it for granted. But communication, without communication, you can't manifest an idea into reality. Einstein could have and, you know, had these wonderful understandings of the theory of relativity, but if he couldn't communicate them, they would have amounted to nothing. Uh, so a- any idea that you want to turn into reality needs to be communicated for that to happen. Communication forms the the basis of our understanding of reality, our internal communication. We, we conceive and perceive the world through our ability to be able to language it. You know, if you ask the um, the traditional First Nations peoples here in Australia, the the wise ones will tell you that they sang the world into existence. You know, the mountain didn't exist until they sang about it. Or, or, you know, so by by communicating, we bring it into existence, which is quite um, metaphoric, but still. And then, and then, when we think about our relationships, you know, the quality of our relationships being ultimately important. And it rests on the ability to be able to communicate with each other. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I see so many people tripping up in miscommunication, whether it's a romantic relationship and they actually love each other. They really do, but they are banging heads against brick walls because of the miscommunication only, not because the love's not there or a leader with a team, you know? And so the leader is is struggling to find a way to have this team or people in the team intrinsically motivated and aligned with the mission or purpose of the organization, but only through miscommunication or an inability to to be able to communicate 
And then, and then we look at the state of play around the world and we've got people shouting at each other, you know, across these digital divides of difference, I say. <laughs> you know, you've got people pro-life and pro-choice. They're not communicating and trying to understand each other's mm. difference and finding a way forward. They're just shouting at each other or cancelling each other, mm. um, you know, or pro-vax, anti-vax, now in the Middle East. Palestinian or mm. you know Hamas or Israel like and <clears throat> there's always going to be differences yeah. but if we if the quality of the communication is just poor low level shouting at each other we're not actually going to move forward as as humanity we're not going to improve and I'm I'm pretty passionate about us heading in the right direction as humanity you know not the wrong direction and <laughs> and to do that we need to communicate more consciously yeah I love the way you've described that. And you've really tapped into something there that's very alive for me as well. Because, And I'd love to get your sense of this because one of the things that never ceases to amaze me, like when I'm out in the world, is say I'm in a coffee shop or I'm sat in an airport or something and I'm just listening to a conversation that's happening somewhere in my vicinity. It's like we've lost the ability to dialogue properly it's like it's two individuals like nine times out of ten what I'm hearing is two individuals saying that what they want to say almost having like parallel conversations not listening to each other at all while the other person's speaking they're just thinking about what they're going to say next and then they come like you said they're just completely missing each other because they're not it's like they've forgotten how to listen how mm. to understand and that if no understanding's taking place, then are we really communicating? <laughs> yeah, no, we're not. Communication comes from the Latin noun communicare, which means a sharing. And and the well, no, I think the noun was communicatio and the verb was communicare, uh, which was to make common. Mm. So the idea of communication is to make common. So which means that we are coming to an understanding, like I'm I'm understanding you. You know, and you can't, I can't understand you if I'm just sitting there queuing up in my mind, waiting to get my <laughs> point of view across, you know, which is what we do. And, and that comes from ego and, you know, our ego, which, which is obviously a necessary part of being human because we've all got one. Um, but I think, and I think specifically in the West, the ego has become stronger and stronger and stronger. And our ego is our sense of identity, who we think we are. Mm. And we identify, and this is very literally our brain, the same parts of our brain fire up when we uh, light up, when we are um, activating our sense of identity as when we're activating our sense of political or ideological beliefs. Mm -hmm. So we identify with these strong political or ideological beliefs. And then our ego, bless its cotton socks, because it's there to protect us and keep us safe, our ego is extremely defensive. Yeah. You know, because it's life and death to the ego. If you threaten my sense of identity, you're actually threatening my life and it's to the ego. It's it's life and death. So it will defend tooth and nail an idea, you know. And so that's when people are queuing up to to, to get their point of view across because it's it's of utmost importance that I defend my, my idea, right? When actually it's not. <laughs> it actually doesn't <laughs> matter. If you just loosen your grip a little bit, and lean in and listen to the other person and seek to understand where they're coming from and not feel the need to defend your point of view, you don't actually die. Mm. <laughs> you know, yeah. in fact, you live a healthier, more peaceful life, I've found, you know. Mm. 
And I love that because it reminds me of um, systems theory where they where um, systems theory says that everybody is partially right all of the time. Huh. And I love that because it reminds me like when, when I look out into the world today and all the conflict and wars we've got going on, I have this sense that the way that we go into the future and who we become as humans kind of hinges on how we're going to deal with difference. And of course, that's got everything yeah. to do with communication. Like if yeah. we're just going to like stay in our own lane in a way and just defend everybody who's got a different point of view or try and convince them to come into our lane, which is never going to happen, right? No. If we can't get this understanding, then yeah. I just don't see how we're going to be able to even realize that we're kind of all in this together, you know, <laughs> yeah, in some know, ways, right? right? We're human first yeah. and foremost before we're Australian or American or British or yep. whatever we our nationality is. We're yeah. human. So what I want to ask you, Jem, is yeah, yeah. you're talking about not just communication or effective communication. You're talking about conscious communication so what has consciousness got to do with it from your perspective so the more conscious we are of anything the more aware of it we are so when you're very conscious you're very aware mm. in fact consciousness is awareness consciousness is that experience that we have of of being aware and quite often we're not very aware <laughs> we are blinkered and eyes closed almost asleep really and we're just yeah. kind of bumping through life um reacting to moments and and then bumping into the next moment reacting to that not often do we pause and just kind of drop into consciousness and be more aware of that which we're normally not thinking about and so conscious communication is just being aware of the communication more, which means if when you and I are sitting together, me um, being conscious in this moment is being aware of what perhaps is the purpose of this conversation we're having? Where are you at? What might you be feeling or thinking or hoping for? Um, where is my ego at, my sense of identity? Where is it trying to affect the conversation? Um, yeah, you know, some higher level stuff. For for example, just say in, in a marriage, there's two people and you, one of them feels angry or frustrated because their partner's done that thing again that they've said, I wish you wouldn't do that. And the partner's done it again. And now they're angry and frustrated and they've just had enough. And they want to go and tell their partner, they want to go and have it out with them, Right low level consciousness in that conversation will be just going up and going the way you do that you're like i've told you before you really upset me and i i'm not going to stand for this anymore i'm creating boundaries and i won't be treated like this and da da da, da. right okay. that's low low level consciousness in that moment but to be more conscious of that conversation perhaps before approaching your husband or wife thinking hang on for what purpose do i want to have this conversation well i want them to see that i'm upset for what purpose why well because i don't want them to do that thing that i get upset about for what purpose why well because i'd prefer us to be more harmonious oh why do you want to be more harmonious well because we love each other and and 
we want to be kind to each other. Ah, so now I'm starting to get to the higher level reason why I want to have this conversation. Not because I'm angry and I want to make you feel terrible, but because I love you and I want to be in harm, I want us to be harmonious. Right. Mm. So now I'm going to approach this conversation from a different, more conscious perspective. Mm. You know, I love that. and, and it, it can make the world of difference. It really does. And it reminds me of that one of my favorite quotes by Rumi that says, mm. out beyond the field of right and wrong, there is a field. I'll meet you there. Yes, I love that and too. Isn't that, you know, isn't that what, because what I'm hearing you speak to as you're talking about the consciousness is not only like the receptivity of listening, but I'm also here you speaking to, let's say, some of the invisible elements that are in that communication package if you like <laughs> but mm. are not just the words it's like how am I feeling what's my intention here yeah. all that invisible stuff that if we're just in habit then we're just reacting to each other but yeah. I'm hearing you speak of almost like well let's have a look what else is going on kind of beneath the surface here that's yeah. important yeah, you know, and 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 mind. so much communication that's not words and shouldn't be, you know. So maybe when Talia comes to me, she doesn't need me to say anything. Maybe she just needs me to sit and hold space for her and let her express herself without doing the masculine thing of jumping to the end of the conversation <laughs> and trying to fix her. <laughs> but but I'm just trying to fix her problem because I love you and I just want your life to be good. So let me just fix your problem. And she's like, stop trying to fix me. Um, that's not the way we go. Thankfully, we figured this stuff out before we found each other. But maybe the communication just needs to be her putting her head on my chest and us breathing in time together for five minutes. Mm. Yeah. You know, and that's conscious communication. Mm. And then my job in that moment is to when I get distracted with my thoughts and I'm carried away with my thoughts, my job in that moment is to come back to the present moment and just be still and present with her head on my chest and match her breathing, just breathe in time with her. You know, that's beautiful communication right there. And as you're saying that, I've never done that with my husband. I'm definitely going to start doing it because I yeah. can feel like a vibrational resonance or imagine mm. that there's like a resonance then that kind mm. of emanates between you almost like a healing frequency it's it's quite imagine. remarkable yeah. if you if you really want to know physiologically so you know mentally emotionally physically where your partner's at if you really want to drop into deepest empathy with them Breathe in time with them. Match their breathing. You'll see where they're at. And when the two of you, when it becomes a practice for the both of you, what you find is that you you meet each other in the middle. So your partner might be breathing a bit more shallowly or a bit a bit faster than you, and you're breathing more slowly and, and longer breaths, and you go to match them. But what happens is that they tend to move a bit towards you as well, and you meet in the middle. It's really beautiful. Mm, sounds like it does. So you wrote a book on this. Yeah, subject. I wrote a book. It's called The Art. Yeah. So why, why did you write a book? Who was it for? 
I always knew I was going to write books and um, we were locked in. And here, here in Victoria, Australia, uh, we were, I think we were the most locked in for the longest period of time globally. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Which I, again, I feel very lucky. I live on a farm and and we had space around us and we had quite a big bubble, our family, because we're a blended family and, we have, and we're multi-generational. So but there was, we had a good family bubble going on. Um, but I certainly had more time than ever before because I wasn't driving around to my clients. I was just working for them online. And I thought, right, now's the time to write the book. What do I want to write about? And communication is just something that I had become more and more interested in and passionate about. So I thought I'd write about communication. And I started off by writing The Art of Conscious Communication. And then I engaged a, a mentor and she suggested to me that I pick a niche, or as they say over in the US, a niche. <laughs> um, and she she actually suggested that I write this first one for men. She said, Gemma, I really think men could do with some help with their communication because generationally we uh, we culturally indoctrinate our boys mm. to suck it up, man up, you know, stiff up a lip, don't cry like a girl, excommunicate yourself from your emotional self and just get on with it, right? Mm. And then we wonder why we have these generations of men who not only can't express how they're feeling, but are not actually really sure how they're feeling. And then it all gets pent up and, and explodes in aggression and anger. Mm. Right. Anyway, so I started, I, so I wrote the first book for thoughtful men, which, which is for all men, because I think men are thoughtful. Um, and now just recently, um, good news, last month, I signed a book deal with um, Mango Publishing in Miami, Florida, and they are going to republish the first book, but they have asked me to write a series of The Art of Conscious Communication books. Mm. Um, and so the next one I think will be for couples and then leaders and teams and parents and so on. Um, so I'm oh, going to write a, a whole bunch more about it, yeah. No, and, and I can see how this is such a a, a needed subject today. And I mm. love that you wrote your first one for men because uh, mm. I, I have a – son and I also have a husband and sometimes we get into conversation about how in today's modern world it's really difficult to define what the role of men is <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> you know it is and and I think a lot of men are a little bit like uh, I wouldn't say at sea but a little bit like trying to find their ground in some way yeah. whereas I think as women we've been a bit more vocal about who we want to be and become and you know we're still fighting for equality in a man's world but you know it's like where does that leave men and so I think mm. this idea of communication is is really important from a male perspective because yeah. understanding and maybe getting intentional and and knowing where to stand this is one of the conversations I've had with my son Jacob knowing where you want to stand against the culture you know, yeah. where you want to be different to how you've been treated in school and college. And yeah. Things. So, yeah, I think yeah, it's really absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And, you know, it's it, it, helping men um, be better men is vital for the, the, the movement of equality for women. Yeah. You know, hundred percent. There's no point in um, there's no point in giving opportunities to women to go into a man's world, the patriarchal system, if the only way they can be successful is to 
to turn on their masculine and start, you know, bumping bumping elbows and fighting their way in this kind of patriarchal masculine setup or structure or system. That's not going to work. What we actually need more as a as a as a species, or at least in the West, what we need more of is more access to feminine wisdom in the way that we run our businesses and our governments and our you know we don't need more masculine. We need the balance, and and men can access and allow and make space for feminine sensibility and wisdom. You know this human centric way. We need to be more human centric. It's not. The, the old post-industrial revolution of make more money month on month, it's the numbers that count, p- treat people like numbers, claw your way to the top of the corporate ladder. Um, it needs to change. I mean, it is changing, but we need to be more conscious of of encouraging that change. Yeah. So, yeah, we need to work. We need to help men be better men, 100%. Yeah, it's kind, it's kind of interesting. I heard this um, beautiful metaphor when I was in the Ecuadorian rainforest, which you know I went to, but the listeners don't. <laughs> which uh, and and it's really stuck with me because they they're talking at the moment about the prophecy of the eagle and the condor, and the eagle is the masculine energy that's always been leading and flying higher than the condor. But what they've been seeing more recently is the condor flying alongside the eagle, and they talk about that as the integration. And this mm. metaphor that is not that the metaphor that then came out from the Sapara nation that I lived with um, was this idea that women are the water. They're like the river, right, flowing. Now, the men are the banks. That's what they say. The men are the banks. So women can't exist without men and men can't exist without women. And so we need the banks that like the strength and the power of the men to keep us kind of in check otherwise we just end up flooding the fields is what they say right so we need the combination of both of the energies and they're not really talking about genders they're more talking about the energies here and then and then they say that if there's too much riverbank there's not enough river and therefore you just end up with really hard ground that nothing can grow on because you yeah. need the rain and the water, which is the feminine as they see it, yeah, coming yeah. in. And it was this beautiful, like balancing, natural, organic way of looking at masculine and feminine. And it's really stuck with me since I've come I back. Love it. Yeah. I it love really it. makes I'm, a lot yeah. of sense. <laughs> I'm gonna be um I'm taking that. Thank you for sharing. <laughs> no, you're so yeah. welcome. You're yeah. so welcome. So I yeah. did want to ask you, like because you're really honing in now on this, the power of conscious communication in this series of books you've got coming up. So what Mm. is this, like, what are this series of books? What's it in service of, Jim? Like, what's the vision you have for, I'm imagining a better world or some transformation in the world that you're trying to kind of catalyze with this series of books? Yeah, I, I, I care about, like I said before, I care about humanity heading in the right direction. And the right direction means that we're heading in a way where we're becoming more functional. Uh, And that to me, and this is just my opinion, and I'm sure there are people that disagree, but that means that we're becoming more tolerant, more compassionate, more uh, forgiving and loving, more kind, you know, more abundant, you know. I I see us heading in a direction where we can actually start to really utilize the renewable resource that's available to us 
so that we don't have to struggle so hard to fight for resources because they're abundant. And when the resources are abundant, then there's less need to hang on to the old antiquated archetypes of, of, of war and struggle and fighting for resource and fighting to survive less and less do we need to fight to survive if we can if we can be heading in the direction and i know this is utopian and and idealistic but if we can be heading in the direction of solving problems like how do we share resource how do we minimize the gap of inequality you know if we can start thinking about these things and there are people who are thinking about these things but if we keep heading in that direction, that's what I'm. That's what I care about, and I want to do my bit to help us move in that direction, however big or small that is, and whether it's local and me just helping a few people here in Australia, or whether it's global and I help more people. Um, and because I'm ambitious, that's what I'm hoping to do. Um, but my piece is to help people communicate more consciously, and I think it's a really important piece. So I'm building a school and it's it's the Conscious Communication Education Program and I would love to get that probably first into the corporate sector because mm. that's where my clients are. But also I dream big around getting conscious communication to the education sector mm. and into the public sector. I mean, can you imagine yeah. if our high school children were taught how to communicate more consciously with each other? That's yeah. game-changing right there. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and you pick any number of of um, horrible statistics, like two out of three suicides are men, young men. And we've just had we've just had two young men in our town. I live in a small surf town; it's not a very big town. We've just had two young men in the last three weeks take their lives, and this is happening all the time. And it's really, really sad. And these men, but also women, people, people have not been taught how to communicate consciously and and share vulnerably this that they're struggling you know yeah. and it's through this isolation and feeling so alone that people end up taking their lives i mean that's that's really sad but also coming back to what you were talking about before jane you know the big problems like pandemics and um inequality and climate change you know the the big problems to solve these big problems we're not going to do it through a very narrow bandwidth of creative solution ideas like, say, white middle-class men. If we've got a, a group of people that come together and, and we're saying, right, put your heads together and come up with some pretty amazing solutions and the bandwidth is very narrow, you're only going to have a very narrow bandwidth of creative solution ideas. We need a really, really broad bandwidth of diversity to approach these big problems. We need to be bringing in minds from people from all different walks of life and backgrounds and ideas. Mm. That's when we'll come up with some truly amazing um, solutions. And this is through harnessing the power of diversity. And the only way we can harness the power of diversity is through communication mm. and through more conscious communication. So, yeah, I can't remember what your question was. but No, but it's great what you're talking about because one of the things that's bubbling up for me, like I'm I'm a complete yes to everything you're saying, and I can see how communication really is, as you're saying, Jem, a really important part of like uh, enabling us to have the capacity to become who we need to be for the future we want to live in and the world mm. that we want to live within. But mm. I want to ask you something because – 
for me, communication doesn't start in the dialogue, right? And you mm. you alluded to this right at the very beginning of our conversation because you talked about your values. And yeah. one of the things that I think about when it comes to communication is some of the best, most effective communicators I've met have a really good relationship with themselves, meaning the inner dialogue, that relationship, that communication supports what they want to do and who they want to be and you know and it's values based usually is that where you see communication kind of because that's where I see it emanating from and of course you can learn skills and stuff that you do out there in the world and in relationship with others but I see it as starting kind of deep within it has to yeah yeah 100 has to your ability to be able to see somebody else clearly mm. and to understand them is completely governed by how much um, interference you've got going on in your lenses, <laughs> your biases, your beliefs, right? right and that right. interference is the stuff that you have not resolved with yourself, which is your relationship with the past. And this all exists in your mind. The, uh, uh, and a telltale sign of the quality of your relationship with self is the quality of the language that you use mm. when you when you're talking to yourself so when you're you've got out of the shower and you're standing in the bathroom looking at yourself naked in the mirror and you're not feeling good about yourself because of perhaps a body image thing going on say this is just an example what's the quality of the words that you're saying to yourself um i don't want to swear can we swear on your podcast I don't no, know is the honest I won't. answer. If we can bleep it. <laughs> no, no, no. I won't swear because I'll just leave it up to the listener's imagination. <laughs> right. What horrible cuss words do you say to yourself when you're looking at yourself in the mirror? Right. Or when you've let yourself down, so you you didn't achieve something that you were hoping to achieve or you behaved in a way that you're ashamed of, How? what's your retribution? What are the, What's the quality of the language like that you're saying to yourself? Because I guarantee you, we talk more horribly to ourselves than anybody else. Yeah, it's, re it's abusive the way we speak to ourselves. So the quality of your language, the way you communicate with yourself has a lot to do with the quality of your relationship with yourself. Mm -hmm. And the quality of your relationship with yourself is the quality of your internal world, your mind. And when it's turbulent, then there's a lot of interference through your filtering system to receive information from the outside world. So it's so, I, I, yeah, we could talk for this about about this for days. But <laughs> <laughs> so we receive information from the outside world through our senses. We see, hear, taste, touch, smell, internal receptors, right? To make sense of all of that information from the environment around us, which in the case of communication is another person. To make sense of that, we have a filtering system and we piece together these bits of information and we create a projection in our mind of quote unquote reality, but our version of reality is completely flavored by our experiences from the past and our current state of mind. So if I'm not resolved with myself and my past, I'm carrying a lot of baggage, a lot of trauma, a lot of um, uh, dis ease mentally mm -hmm. then my lenses are very thick and i can't see you very clearly i can only see a very distorted version of you due to my stuff so how am i going to communicate with you if i can't even really see you or hear you or understand you 
So then not a very long way of saying that I believe the work to the self-resolution work, the self-okayness work, smoothing out the creases of your past, letting go of your attachment to stuff and coming to continually coming to a place of calm relationship with self is of utmost importance because then I can sit with you and I can see you more clearly. We can communicate more effect, more effectively together. And just the last thing to say on that, Jane, is that you know there's uh, there's a lot of people arguing that the, that there's been such a narcissistic. Um, it's all about me. Um, I'm I'm good enough movement in the West, and that it's not good. It's not good if that's where it stops. It's not good if you're becoming self-obsessed just for the sake of an Instagram feed because just for its own sake. Yeah, that's not good. But but if the self-work is so that you can more effectively connect, communicate, and be in relationship with others, then it's vital. We have to be doing this beautiful work. I, I do work on myself. I meditate every day and I do my affirmations every day and I do my pausing and I do my stuff so that I can be in better relationship with others, you know. And I, I think that's really important. And it's, re and it's often overlooked, I think, as well. Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, when we think, you know, one of the things I've worked a lot with in corporate life is executive presence, right? I don't know why we need the executive before it, but presence. And mm. I, I often think that's not necessarily something I can teach, <laughs> right? Because yeah, to yeah. me, presence is an emergence from the system that is you, if you like. Mm. And if, you know, you can always tell when you meet someone and they're just, they're not there, you know, lights on, but nobody's home. Mm. And how that impacts the communication, their relationships, everything, it impacts everything. And so I just think of people like, um, I recently watched um, Desmond Tutu um, uh, talking to the Dalai Lama, the book, and it was yeah. based on the Book of Joy. And those two, when they come together, they, they just take themselves so lightly. And yeah. yet they're in really serious, deep conversations. And then they'll just break out into giggles because they just enjoy <laughs> each other, right? I, and, I really enjoyed watching that too the other day. You know, it was just delightful to watch. Like, yeah, It's just wonderful to watch. And then you yeah. think of like, and I was comparing that to some of the conversations that go on in, in, in global boardrooms and the seriousness mm. and the weight and the responsibility and all of that. And mm. I was thinking, we need to learn here that if if we can be kind of okay in ourselves, if we can find our ground, if we can find our joy and we can yeah. bring that to our communication, that's a yeah. very different texture and tonality of experience for you and the other person than anybody, yeah. anything else. Completely, completely. <laughs> and you know why? You've got two people sitting there, Desmond Tutu, who's a Christian and who believes yeah, in heaven. And then you've got the Dalai Lama, who's a Buddhist <laughs> and believes in reincarnation. Right? Yeah. The fundamental existential differences. Yeah. But the reason that they giggle and love each other so much and just are so easy to be with each other is because they've got nothing to defend. Yes, that's it's, right. There's no, there's no fear. Right. right? So, so they can they can sit there and love each other and giggle and laugh beautifully together, 
because there's no fear. There's no, there's no, I'm not trying to defend my point of view. This is just my point of view. This is just the way I experience life and you do too. And it's really about joy and love. And, and so that I, I loved watching that documentary the other night. And it, it's, to me, that's an example of where we should be headed with, with, with differences, you know, that's where we should be headed. That's the ideal. So that when you've got, like you said, two executives in a boardroom that have very, very different ideas on how something should go, imagine that they were coming from a place of love and abundance and nothing to defend rather than fear and defensiveness. And it's got to be my way and I'm going to fight you tooth and nail and blah, blah, blah. Imagine the difference and the difference in the outcomes. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And that's where I love what you said. In a way, I feel like we brought this conversation full circle because you started off talking about your values and what matters most. And that Mm. kind of bubbles through everything that you do, Jim. And that's what I really love about you and your work. And I think, you know, it's like implicitly in the way you're living your life, your presence is teaching people without us having to kind of you know, go on a, a program and learn all these tools and techniques of negotiation and, you know, how to communicate effectively and have all these like one, two, three in my head when I'm doing it, that doesn't work because mm. it's how, who do we be and become and how do we become more aware in our communication? So I'm going to ask you this question and it's kind of bringing us full circle back because you mentioned that you got to this place and this work by living, let's call it a colorful life. I can't remember how you described it before, but you did many different things. So what I want to know really is what have you learned? What insights have you gleaned about the meaning of life that can help people kind of find their ground and be themselves in their conscious communication? Mm. Mm. I, In no particular order, I've learned that um, I'm exactly who I'm supposed to be and I shouldn't be more like anybody else. Right. And, I, and I shouldn't be um, the version I was 10 years ago. And I shouldn't yet be the version of me that I will be in 10 years from now. Mm. That right now I'm exactly who I'm supposed to be, apparently. And that I am enough to be me. And I shouldn't be anyone else because I'm not. I should just be me. That's <laughs> 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 just such a liberation. You know, and it's profound in its simplicity. It's I just so lovely. It is, and I don't. It means you don't need to go out there looking for something else or another piece to bolt on or something else that you need to know. You just, you know, and if yeah. if being me, um, which it is in my case, I am someone who's curious and always wants to learn. Yeah. I am someone who wants to um, hopefully get better at being me, whatever that means in terms of future me. But uh, but because that's who I am in this moment right now, then I am intrinsically driven to um, keep growing and learning. It doesn't mean that the idea that I'm exactly who I'm supposed to be and I'm exactly enough to be me and I shouldn't be more like anyone else, that doesn't mean that I'm sedentary and I'm still. It's both. I, I'm still, if we could freeze frame time, like if we could take a snapshot of time right now, everything is exactly as it's supposed to be, apparently, because there it is. The good, the bad, the ugly, the easy, the difficult, the ups, the downs, all of it. It's meant to be what it is because there it is right there. 
you know, I love Byron Katie's work. Byron Katie is an American author and she has written Loving What Is. And she says, you can argue with reality if you want to, but reality will win only 100% of the time. (laughs) (laughs) And I love that. And the liberation in acceptance is is profound. It's remarkable. And so then when I accept that I'm exactly as I'm supposed to be right now and I accept that the world is the way it is supposed to be right now, I have more capacity to shift my focus to the next moment and what can I influence, what can I positively influence today? You know, And there's more of me to be able to, to do that because I'm not fighting the stuff that I can't control or influence. Oh, I love it. So I'm going to just ask you one final question. Um, And I'm so sad that this conversation is coming to an end, but I'm going to ask you this. Um, If there's something that you hoped to share with our audience today, maybe it's a few words of wisdom, maybe it's something we didn't get time to cover. Like what would you like to leave our audience with? What might that be? Mm. Rather than focusing on these words in this order, have do be so what do i want to have what goals am i aiming for and that's your focus because that then determines what you're doing and running around like a headless chook trying to have all these things and that then inadvertently determines who you're being which is haggard and and tired and and you know maybe a, a little bit empty or not sure about things flip it just mm-hmm. flip it around focus on be which will then determine the quality of the things you do and the out the outcomes, the results you get by shifting your focus off what you want to have and just focus on who you aspire to be in this moment, which is your values. Um, if you can just take that away from this conversation, that would be really helpful for you. Jem, thank you so much. I have really enjoyed our conversation today and I know our listeners will have done too. So thank you so much for stopping by the podcast. You're welcome, Jane. Thanks for having me on your show. Okay, guys, that's all we have time for today. Uh, Thank you so much for listening in. Now, before we go, I want to remind you that all the resources and the links for our guests are in the show notes at sacredchangemakers.com. And a big thank you to the members of the Sacred Changemakers Inner Circle, who are our podcast sponsors, and also our extended community, who are helping us to make a global impact aligned with the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals, all visible on our website. And if you're looking for a little more soul in your life and business, if you have a sense that you have a calling, maybe you're here to make a bigger impact or simply connect with others on your change-making journey. If our episode resonated with you today, I hope you'll consider joining us. Again, you can find out more at sacredchangemakers.com. But for now, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your intentions and efforts to make our world a better place. Until next time. Lots of love.